All right. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to have to be with each of you. Um, like my dad said, I am Jerry's son, Kyle. I am the youngest of his sons, uh, and I am a campus minister at the University of Evansville. Some of you might know our uh, private little university for beating Kentucky in basketball, dethroning the number one. Yes, claps, good. Um, we were, uh, it, we're a small school, um, but we also, our ministry is on another campus in our town, uh, the University of Southern Indiana. Um, I spend most of my time, though, at the University of Evansville. And just for those of you who are in this area and appreciate good schools, I'm also an alumni of Appalachian State University. Um, any, any claps, cheers for that? Yeah? All right, okay. I know this is kind of Wake Forest and other territory, but I know a lot of Appalachian, I had a lot of friends from Appalachian who uh, lived in, in the Winston area, so visited this area quite a bit when I was in college. But one of the things I get to do with my college students each week is do, well, I get to do different things with them. I get to do a little bit of experimenting, so maybe some of those things we'll get to do today. But one of the other things I get to help steward with them is just this idea of what are they going to do with their lives when they graduate? And for most of them, a very high percentage, 95% or more, they're going to be going into jobs, careers, vocations of some sort or another. And so part of my job and responsibility is not just to give them a good biblical sound education uh, as far as when they come to our ministry, uh, not, to help them, not only to help them become disciples and deeper disciples and not only make disciples, but also help them cast, uh, catch a bigger vision of what it means to do all of those things within the context of their future and the context of their job and their going forward. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about today what it means to redeem work. Um, what it means to have faith in work, or faith and work together, um, all in one. And so to do that, I want to start off by asking you some hopefully easy questions. First one, how many of you work? You can raise your hands. Raise them high. Okay, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Now, for those of you who don't have a hand up, how many of you have at one point in your life worked? Okay, so that's... Most of us, even some children, there's some interesting things happening here with children working. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, um, but most of us here raised our hands uh, that we worked um, because that's a part of just life. But how many of you actually like your work, like your job? Okay, raise your hands. Okay, pretty good number of you. I'm glad my dad raised his hand. That would be... <laughs> I probably wouldn't tell you if he didn't, but um, no. But there's, there's several of us now. How many of you um, have left a job because of dissatisfaction at some point in your life? Okay, many of us. Um, I left my first job, and I actually, I, was, I didn't leave it as much as they kind of pushed me out. Um, I, was, I worked at a Christian bookstore. My parents might remember that. Um, which was interesting, and that's a story for another time. But there are, we all have those experiences as well, where we have had dissatisfaction with our current work 
or with some previous work experience that we've had in the past. Now, let me ask you these last two questions. Now, how many of you think about and or make a place for your faith at work? Okay. Fewer hands, good. Now, and how many of you have a vision for what your faith could look like at work? Okay. So, good. It went just as I had planned. One of the things, if you were in the back, you noticed that as I went through the questions, less and less hands were raised. And here's the thing, and this is why I think that is, is that most of us are taught early on to compartmentalize things of, in our lives. And so like we have our work over here and we have our faith over here or we have our family over here. We, we tend to put things in different compartments and different categories. We are taught sometimes that our work is Monday through Friday and that our faith is on Sunday and a few other scattered times during the week. But this is not the vision that the Bible paints. The Bible paints a robust picture of integrated lives where faith and work aren't separate but holistically held together. We all work, whether you're a CEO or the maintenance worker, whether you're on a farm or you're in Wall Street, and everything in between. All of it has the potential to bring glory to God, to change cultures and cities, and to reach the lost and broken around us. Work doesn't have to be the thing that prevents us from living on mission, but the opportunity to recognize the mission field always before us. So, before we get too deep into this, I want to take a step back and take a brief look at a theology of work. And that way we can broaden our vision and see where God stands and what God thinks about work. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis. We're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start at the beginning. So if you want to get out your Bibles or devices, whatever you have, um, go ahead and open it to Genesis 1. And I'm going to start us off with prayer. Well, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you love us so richly and tenderly. We, we thank you that uh, we can get together and not only worship you with song, but we can worship you with our lives as we submit ourselves now to your word. So Lord, we ask that you be present, that you show up in powerful ways, that you move through your word, that you speak through your word, and Lord, that you ultimately bring life change in this room. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first thing to say about the theology of work is that, believe it or not, God works. Okay? God works. If you look at Genesis 1 and 2 especially, you go through just, we're not going to, but if you go through all the different days of creation, we see a God who works. He works six different days creating different things. And then, of course, we know he's working because he has to do, or he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, but what does he do on the seventh day? He rests. He rests because he works. Okay? And so we know 
that first and foremost, as we look in the Scripture and we look at the theology of work, that God works. You see, during these days, God created all that we see and all that we know. To God, work was purposeful, work was blessed, and work was mission. God didn't work because he was bored. He didn't work because he somehow needed to. But God saw his work as strategic and as a missional opportunity, something that I believe God desires for us today. So as we talk about the origin of work and vocation, we need to look no further than God in the first pages of the Bible. Now, just as God works, we also work. Look at Genesis 1, 26 and 27 with me. It says, Then God said, Let us make man beings in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. I'm going to read the next verse. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So as image bearers of God, of image bearers of a God who works, we also are called to work. We are called to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it or to work it to make sure we're tending it and caring for it. This is part of the call of what it means to be humans made in the image of a working God. And then if you look at Genesis 2.15, it says this. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Okay, So saying it again talks about how God originally intended for man to work. That's, that might not seem very hopeful for a lot of us who, especially those of us who don't enjoy our work. But this is a part of how God designed us. This is part of our original mission and our original calling as humans. This calling has existed from the beginning. It will remain as long as we live and will follow us even as we live eternally with God in his kingdom. And I know you're having trouble believing that, but think about it this way. After God creates and he gives that mission, gives that responsibility of working to the first man and the first woman, what does he say at the end of the day? He said, it is very good. It is very good. It is blessed. So why do so many of us hate our jobs, right? Why do so many people find dissatisfaction with work? You see, whether you like your job or don't, we all realize that it could always be easier, less stressful, and more fruitful. And to kind of answer the why, let's flip over another couple pages to Genesis 3. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 19. So after sin enters the picture and Adam and Eve fall, the Lord God gives some curses. 
And to Adam, he says this. He says, to Adam, he said, because you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and dust you will return. So, when sin entered the picture, so did the curse. But notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that work is the curse. Okay, because that's a lot of times what we think. It does not say that work is the curse, but that work is cursed. You see that distinction? It doesn't say that work is a curse. It says that work is cursed. In other words, it talks about how Work will no longer be easy. It'll no longer be as fruitful. It'll be hard. It'll be demanding. And it'll oftentimes be backbreaking and mind-breaking. This is one of the reasons why many of us don't like our work. But if we could just shift our perspective and approach to work, it could truly make all the difference. If we can start seeing our work not as a curse itself, but that the curse is on the difficulty, we might just be able to engage our jobs with a reimagined sense of mission, calling, and even hope. So as I look into the rest of the story in Genesis and throughout the Bible, but specifically in Genesis, I see a few different characters who show us that not all work is cursed. You know, we can see this in somewhat in the life of Jacob, Because as Jacob works under Laban, it says that God made everything he touched basically fruitful. And the same thing happens with Joseph. When Joseph is a slave working in Potiphar's household, I'm sure doing terrible jobs, everything he touches is blessed by God, is fruitful, and all of a sudden... Potiphar and everybody recognizes it, and he is made the chief of the household. Well, then he gets thrown in prison, okay, lowly position, but everything he touches in prison is also blessed by God and made fruitful, so much that the warden puts Joseph as the chief person in charge of prison. You see, Even the jobs that we would think, or even work that we would think is more cursed kind of work, we see that God can bless. God uses all work to bring about greater purpose. Think about it this way. When, because Joseph included God, his faith into his work, his work was blessed And God placed him in a position to use his work to influence power and save people's lives. Because he was faithful, because he included God in his work. God saw the bigger picture and Joseph stepped into it. Oh, if we all could see the potential impact We could change people's lives if we redeem our understanding of work. 
So one of the things I wholeheartedly know from the arc of the biblical narrative is that sin, death, and curses don't have the last word. But that God is moving to redeem all things and all people. God calls us in on this mission and wants to use us to redeem our work. The question, though, you might be asking is, how do we do this? So here are three ways to help you on the road to redeeming your work. The first of all, the first thing is you have to change your perspective about work. Even if you like your job, your perspective about the nature of work might need shifting. Let's look at Colossians 3.23. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as, or, inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. This tells me that all work is sanctified and holy, okay? As long as it's not by nature sinful, right? All work is holy and sanctified as long as it is being done unto the Lord. If we can change our perspective and realize we work the job we work to bring glory to God, I guarantee it will lead us to see our work differently and our workmates differently. For one thing, it'll force us to change our perspective by seeing faith and work as not two different categories, but as one whole integrated way of living. This enables the person who likes or is content with their job to still bring more aspects of their faith into their work. And it enables the person who is frustrated with their job to find purpose and meaning because they know that they are doing it unto the Lord. Okay, next thing. Next thing is we need to cast a bigger vision for the impact your work can have. We need to cast a bigger vision for the, work, the impact your work can have. Through Joseph's hard work, he was able to save whole societies and cultures. What is the impact you can have through your work? Our, response, our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to bring him with us wherever we are and wherever we go. We are to be bringers of his kingdom, his values, his kingdom culture to all spheres of our lives. And this includes our work. And many of us know our work needs kingdom values and kingdom culture. This doesn't matter if you are a CEO or the toilet scrubber. It really doesn't matter because all can be used by God for greater purposes. Uh, my wife, Lorraine, who's back there, she is a chaplain uh, for a few businesses in the Evansville area. And one of them invited us to an annual Christmas celebration. And uh, we went to it, and man, it was pretty incredible. I mean, it was fancy. 
and we got to dress up nice and eat big steak that we could never afford otherwise, and we just had a great time. And we got to see how this company takes care of its employees. And I think a lot of the reason of why they take care of their employees is because the people who are the CEOs, the founders, the people in upper management are followers of Jesus. And that trickles down on through the, country, on through the company. And it was amazing to watch as this CEO of this multi-billion dollar company gets up there on the video screen and shares his testimony and encourages all the employees who are there to meet Jesus in, his, in the Jesus story. He communicates the gospel in a way to them. It was amazing to see that. But the reason he has the cachet to do that is because of the way he has helped shape that culture. People respect him. They trust him. Even if they don't agree with him, they'll listen to him. But I've also heard stories of how entry-level people and jobs can redeem a toxic work environment by helping shape new practices or standards or by helping companies take huge steps into making a difference in their communities. Don't sell yourself or your work too short. God can use you if you're open to it. God wants to bless our work, not curse it. And our work that is blessed is the work that is done with purpose, with vision, with mission, and a desire to see lives and cultures changed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Okay, lastly, we need to recognize and see ourselves as missionaries strategically called and placed in our work environment to make disciples of Jesus. Too many times I hear Christians say, well, God hasn't called me to be a missionary. Well, this is false. This is false. God calls us all to be missionaries. The difference is the location and the setting, right? We're all called to be missionaries. Some of us might be in Africa. Some of us might be in Southeast Asia. Some of us might be in the Middle East. But some of us might be at Bojangles down the street. Some of us might be at a tech company. Some of us might be at Baptist Hospital. We're all called to be missionaries. You, you can be a missionary just where God has placed you. And my friends, I really believe that if we are going to redeem our work environment, we have to realize that our primary missionary location, for most of us, the primary missionary location and setting to reach the lost is our workplace. We can't deny that. Because as many of you probably know, who aren't maybe in the ministry the people you sit next to, the people you work with, the people down the hall have some messy, broken lives. God has called you to be a missionary in your workplace. 
Do you see yourself as one? Can you see yourself as one? Will you see yourself as one? Because whether or not you do, let me just tell you, you are. You are a missionary. Go and make disciples, Jesus says. And to most of you, that means going to all these businesses that are right around us, the ones that God has already placed you. And he is going to redeem people through the work as, you empo- as he empowers you to make disciples. But you have to be open. You have to be, you have to be able to see it. You have to join God on this glorious and great mission. Well, let's be honest for a second. Most of us spend more time at work than we do anywhere else. Maybe with the exception of our homes. And so why wouldn't we see our work as a huge, not only opportunity, but responsibility for our faith? You spend more time. Some of you, you work crazy jobs where you probably work 60 plus hours. You are at your workplace a long time. A large percentage of your, your time each week is, is spent there. God has given us a call to go and make disciples. God has given us a call as Christ followers to, to change cultures and work environments with his kingdom culture. And he wants us to do that in the areas that he's placed us and that we are spending the most time. Well, today, I want to give you all a moment to think about this practically and take a few first steps, okay? So what I want to do right now is, y'all have bulletins, right? I think I'm, I'm new here. So um, bulletins that have a section for notes in them, is that right? Most of you? If you don't, if you have a sheet of paper um, or something, you may get that out. What I want to do is I want to pray and I want to give you a few minutes to just kind of sit and rest in silence and to ponder some of the questions that are going to get ready to be up on the screen, okay? And I want you to kind of write down over the course of a minute or two, write down the answers as you pray through them. Write down the answers for these three things and then we'll kind of, I'll close this out again in prayer. So if right now I'm going to enter us into this time of reflection and application and then give you some moments of quiet and stillness, okay? So let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you show up. We pray that you guide us through this process. Lord, we ask that you help us to practically think through our, our weeks and our work life and the people who are around us. We, we ask that you reveal to us certain attitudes or opinions we have about work. We ask that you uh, reveal to us just people, Lord, that you are wanting us to be able to, um, to just minister to, that you place them on our hearts and minds now. And Lord, we pray also that you just be showing us ways that we can bring in your kingdom and your values and your culture into our work environment. So Lord, as we sit, as we listen to you, as you speak, Lord, we, will you just 
help give us a few first steps. Amen.